On this episode of The Growth Show, we talked to Kevin Cleary, the CEO of Cliff Bar. You know, and it was, it was a gutsy move when Gary and Kit made the decision back in 2000 to not sell the company for $120 million. And Gary said, you know what? We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of The Growth Show. I'm Dave Gerhart, and I'm joined today by Kevin Cleary. He's the CEO of Cliff Bar. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for uh, making me a part of it. Of course. So give us the backstory on Cliff Bar. Usually I ask this question, it's not always a company people have seen or heard from. I'm sure everybody has seen Cliff Bar, but um, it's always great to hear the background, the backstory, and how this whole thing got started. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. Our owner and founder, Gary Erickson, was on a super long bike ride back in 1990. It was a 175-mile ride. Uh, he was on it with he and his buddy Jay. And he was about 150 miles into it and was just famished. And he had brought with him on the ride six of the leading energy bar company at that time, which was Power Bar and had six of them and had eaten five up to that point and looked at the sixth one and said, I can't do it. <laughs> he just couldn't stomach it anymore. He couldn't do it. And as he was riding down the hill, uh, he had this, what we call today his epiphany, where he said, you know what, I can make a better bar than that. And at the time, he was a baker by trade. He had a small little baking company where he was losing about 20000 a year on. He was making somewhere, I guess, north of 20000 thousand a year by making bike saddles but he was a really passionate outdoorsman and really loved the outdoors so came back um, from the ride went went to work in his mom's kitchen with his mother and for the next six months they developed what today is the cliff bar and then in 1992 launched the company named after his dad uh, Clifford and from 1992 on that was that was the the birth of the company and and Cliff Bar today is very much like it was when Gary invented it back in 1990. Yeah, except you guys have had some crazy growth uh, since then. Give us a sense of you know uh, how how big you guys are today. Well, we have. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a couple of different ways of thinking about the growth. Today we are in this bar health and lifestyle bar category. We are roughly about a 35 percent share, and this is a real. This is one. This is the fastest growing category in the grocery store. These health and lifestyle bars. So we are now a 35% share. Another way of thinking about it is uh, we started out in in natural food stores and and bike shops, and today we are sold in pretty much every every place that has a register today. You can you can find a you can find a Cliff Bar. What do you think? And, what do you think changed? So like it's it's just interesting to think like this used to be something that was you know for active you know really active people maybe like you know people in in his world riding their bikes all the time or just like the health world but now it's such a mainstream thing like what was the catalyst for that you think yeah when we you know it starts with great food you know and 
And when Gary started the company way back in 1990, and it holds true today, is that we make kitchen crafted food, and that's where we that's where it started, and and that's what we do today. And although the and I think that was critical for us to becoming um, much more available to people throughout their day, and whether they're on a bike ride or whether they're you know chasing their chasing their kids around or dropping their kids off at at school and, and they're on their own little daily marathon, if you will, that it becomes, you know, they're looking for great food and they're looking for options that are convenient, that are healthy, um, and that can really help them feed their, feed their adventures. So you are now CEO. Um, you, you haven't been there since the nineties, but you've been there for a while. Um, and you're in an interesting position given that you didn't join the company as CEO. I think you were an executive VP, COO. Now you're COO, uh, CEO. How how did you? Um, what was it like taking this job? And, and maybe talk to your how you think about your role as CEO today. Yeah, I I became CEO about two and a half years ago, and you know I think at a company like Clipbar that is so steeped in culture that you have to that bringing a CEO in from the outside for a company like this wouldn't be right because you really have to get a feel for the company, the people, the brands, how we go to market and what's important to us about running a business that's based on five bottom lines. So you've really got to internalize that before you, before you lead a company like this. So I was on a journey with Cliff Bar, as you said. I started as EVP of sales and supply chain. I went on to chief operating officer and then to president and then to CEO. And Gary and Kit and I like to joke that we were running alongside each other when I was president and they were CEOs doing this really gradual handoff. And that was the right thing for the company because we needed to make sure that all the, the teams of people around the company that it made sense and it was a transition that was super smooth because yeah. you can't have any hiccups and and anything like that. So so I think, you know, being CEO today as I came into the company or I mean, as, as I'm CEO today, you know, Gary and Kit didn't leave the company. They became chief visionary officers. So they really play a critical role in establishing the vision for the company and where we want to where we want to go into the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. And that's part of the power of having a private company is that, you know, we can, we can chart our own journey and we can talk realistically about five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. We're not trapped like public companies are into talking about what the next three months looks like. Right. We can plan for a much longer time horizon. And my job is to make sure that we are executing as an organization, all the things we need to be doing to make that vision become a reality. So I want to dive in on a lot of the culture stuff and hoping that'll be the meat of this conversation because I know that's something you're really passionate about, but just want to kind of stay on this uh, executive uh, leadership topic for a second. So you've been an exec for years now, a bunch of different roles, um, you know, learning from these other guys as well. Uh, this is kind of a really broad question, but like what, what makes a great leader? Like why have you guys been able to be so successful as leaders of this company, you think? Yeah, I... I think it starts with, um, you know, leadership starts with, first off, conviction. You know, and it was, it was a gutsy move when Gary and Kit made the decision back in 2000 to not sell the company for $120 million. And Gary said, you know what? I don't want to sell the company. I want to 
I want to run a business that's based on five bottom lines. So sustaining our business, our brands, our people, our community, and our planet. And say, you know what, I want to run a business like that because I think that's the way business should be run. And so it starts, great leadership starts with conviction about standing for a purpose, about standing for something that is important in the world and that makes a difference. I think, you know, as you get into specific leadership, you know, as you get into the interactions and the inner workings with people, things like being really approachable. Because I don't think you can be a great leader if you're just sitting in your desk in your ivory tower and people don't see you. Right. You know, one of the things I pride myself on here at Cliff Bar is I know, you know, we're a company today of 400 people, and I know all 400 people's names. And, and what's important about that isn't, you know, as we become a company of 600, 800, 1,000, at some point it's going to eclipse my ability to know everybody's name. But it's that personal touch and it's that family touch that, that says, you know what, you can walk through my door anytime and have a conversation about whatever's on your mind. And it shows. And it shows when we have town hall meetings and the questions that I get asked show that people really trust leadership. So approachability is a real key thing. You've also got to be really collaborative. You know, you have to be a give and take. It can't be, you know, your way. It just has to be the best way, right? So collaboration is really critical. And you know what? I may be more collaborative because I have the benefit of not being the brightest guy at this company, and that that is kind of a requirement for you me. Know, you know what's funny is we talk to a lot of people in your role, and the one of the common themes is uh, the success is because they've hired people that they say are smarter than them, which I kind of agree with. I'm, you're, I'm sure you're all very smart as well, but that, that is a really interesting common theme is you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. Well, you can go, you can go check my... Uh, my GPA, my uh, grade point averages to get, <laughs> to get validation of my comment right there. So, uh, so approachability, collaboration is really key. And then the other thing is, is decisiveness is there are times when, you know, CEOs, you got to learn, you got to learn the places about where to be decisive as either a CEO or, an, or a leader um, in your, in your company or in your, in your function, you got to really find those spots to say, you know what guys, we've had a lot of great dialogue. Now we need to go. Here's yeah. where we're going. And it's a, it's a balancing act cause you don't want to do it too much. Cause then they're like, then everybody's looking to Kevin say, okay, well, where are we going, Kevin? But you've got to have a feel for those right spots on when to, on when to, on when to go. So I think, you know, as a company, as you're starting out, do something that matters, you know, have conviction about what your business stands for, make it mean something more than, than making $120 million or delivering the next quarterly profits. But then as it gets into the, the individual leadership, it's about approachability, collaboration, and being decisive. So uh, one of the things you, you kept mentioning is these five bottom lines. Can you, can you talk about that, like what, what that means to you guys, uh, how, how that came up? Is this like your core values as a company? Yes. It's, you hear a lot about triple bottom line companies, and we, we think about our business in, in a, in a different way. And it, you know, the company had always been different from the start, you know, from 1992, when Gary launched the product, it had been a different kind of company. And then in 2000, when Gary and Kit decided not to sell the company, he really just came back and worked with the company and said, clearly this isn't about driving one bottom line. Cause if it had been, you, you, you take the 120 million and you, and you go, and we really got clear at that time back in 2001, 2002, about what this company is going to stand for. And it was going to stand for something more than driving to one bottom line. And it was going to be about driving to five bottom lines. And that was going to be sustaining our business. Clearly, you got to have a business that makes money. 
to be able to to be the lifeblood for what you want your business to stand for. But it's it's a way to do business. It's not the reason you're in business. The other is sustaining our brands, which is really nurturing our brands. And that speaks a lot to the way we go to market. So you won't see a lot of traditional advertising from us. What you'll see from us is a lot of grassroots. We're out at events. We're out making things making things happen and creating wonderful consumer experiences because that at the end of the day is do consumers really connect with your product and can you help them feed their adventure or or make do something important for them in, in their lives so, so, so a lot of t- so you're sorry you, your take so your take on on go to market instead of like you know a bunch of one-off campaigns it seems to be more like you just try to align yourselves with the people and places that are involved with your active kind of lifestyle brand like whether it's sponsoring events or just you know being a part of things like that yeah we we try to spend a lot of time meeting people at their at their points of passion you know so you think about i if in fact if i asked you the question you could probably tell me the first time you had a cliff bar like i remember the first time i had a cliff bar it was after a running race in 1995 and it was you know i was at this post-race party and some guys shaking this box and I'm like what's going on here you know it's like some some drug deal going down <laughs> but what he had in the box was were some was a cliff bar and it was it was apricot and I'm like what's that and he goes oh it's it's at the time he said oh it's kind of like a power bar and I I tasted it and I said that's nothing like a power bar this thing tastes awesome I said I eat that thing all the time it's, it's just a great snack and so so we really try to connect with people and around the company you'll hear these wonderful stories from people about how they actually remembered encountering Cliff Bar and that's driven by our marketing and being part of consumer experience and hopefully helping people through. We do a, we do a uh, program called our PACE team, our Cliff PACE team, where we, you know, at different marathons, we'll, people sign up to be part of our PACE team and we'll start working with them 90 days out. And we've helped hundreds of thousands of people meet their goals through our pace team, whether it be a four-hour marathon, a four-and-a-half-hour marathon, or a five-hour marathon. Yeah, and, and to, to your earlier point, it's like when you're running a business that's aligned with a mission, it makes it obvious to people who you need to connect with and be out in front of. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so that speaks to you know, business and brand. And then we spend a lot of time sustain, you know, thinking about our other, our other bottom line or our aspiration, we use those, that term interchangeably, is sustaining our people. And that really is the core of, of what we're about, is making sure, because our company is our people. Yeah, right? so that, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be anywhere without it. That's, that's the perfect uh, transition because um, I know that you know, work, work-life balance and just some of the, the, the benefits and, and out-of-the-box culture stuff that you guys have done there is a big driver. Um, would love to kind of get, get your take on, on work-life balance and what that means today. I know this is something that you, you've, you've spoken on often. Yes, I, I kind of tossed out the whole work-life balance concept. And today, I think about it just as life. You know, and it's, you'll hear it talked about work-life integration. I just think about it as life, that, that part of our lives are at home, part of our lives are doing the things we're passionate about outside of home, and some of our things are doing the things like work, or some of us are, are lucky enough to have our passions be our work. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to have that. So I think a lot about it as being life, and I, I think a lot about how do we 
make it easier for our people to live their lives. And so some of the things we'll do here at the company is we'll have people, we have an on-site childcare. We have a lot of new moms and dads. And I won't say young moms and dads because I'm going to be 50 this year and I have two seven-year-olds and a five-year-old. So I won't say young. <laughs> I'll use the word new. But we have a lot of new moms and dads. And it's really cool because you'll see them bringing their kids in through the office at work. You'll see them having lunch with their kids and then they'll drop them off at the daycare right next door. That's actually part of our building. And it's a really cool way for people to stay connected with their children while they're working and being able to walk over there at 1030 or or at two o'clock or whatever they want to do to stay connected with that part of their lives. The other thing we do is we have a community service program, which is really about sustaining that's one of our other aspirations is sustaining our community, which is we encourage everybody at the company to give a minimum of 20 hours a year on company time doing community service of their choice. So, and, and then we don't, we don't put a limit on that. I mean, it's, it's a minimum of 20, but it can, I mean, it's like I'm putting in right now this year, I'll put in over 60 hours cause I'm coaching my kids baseball teams. I'm coaching my kids soccer teams and, and, and you feel like that that's, that's made a difference in not just, you know, employee happiness, but the, the types of people that you even attract that want to work at the company? Yeah, I think it's, I think it does a lot for, you know, once people come, they're able to really connect with their lives. And, and I think that helps people really feel more commitment to the company and give their best. This isn't about you know, hanging up what you stand for at, at eight in the morning and then picking up what you stand for at 5 PM. Like that's not what we're after. I want, you know, people, we have people bring dogs to work. So, you know, we have dogs sitting out at desks and, and that's a part of who they are. And that's, that's what I, that's what I want is I want people to be able to express themselves at work and be their real selves. Yeah. It's interesting because the, the norm today seems to be things like, uh, you know, good, these two things are kind of funny listing them back to back, but good healthcare and like free beer in the office seems to be like the standard for, for, for benefits and stuff. But, um, I wrote down a couple interesting things that, that you guys do. Tell me if these are, if these are true or not. Uh, when employees buy a company approved hybrid diesel or electric vehicle, you guys reimburse them. Yes, we reimburse for, um, uh, hybrid vehicles, or that, that meet our meet our standards and it's sixty five hundred dollars. And if people bike or take public transportation or walk to work, there's also another reimbursement. Yeah, we have incentives. It's called our our cool our cool commute incentives, and we uh, incent people, and then they can use the um, use the benefit to get a massage here at work or to do other other benefits to get food at Cali's, which is our 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 cafe here in, in house. So people can, we incent them through these, these dollars that they can cash in either at our cafe or at our, uh, getting massages or however they want to use them. And they can, uh, they can do it in that, in that forum. So it's really a cool, a cool way for them to, to uh, get to work. And for me, it, I ride my bike once a week. It's a 40 mile round trip. I ride from Novato, California, over here to Emeryville, and that's my way of earning my cool commute miles. So a lot, a lot of people like 
they've heard about these type of new things, but it's, you know, maybe, maybe there's execs listening that are like, you know, these things would be, these things would be great to do, but like, they're just so damn expensive, or I don't know if we should do this. Like, what would you say to push someone uh, to do this type of stuff? And, and why is it worth it? You know, I want to take a quick step back and just say, you know, the first thing about driving engagement with your teams of people that are your company is having your company do something that matters. You know, so for us, it's about running those those five bottom lines and about running a different kind of company, the kind of company we'd like to leave to our children, right? That that interacts in the planet, that interacts with our communities, that interacts with our teams of people in a way that we're really proud of. So that's what that that starts with it. So when people you start to attract people to your company that want to be a part of an organization that aligns with their own goals and their own values. Right. So when people come to Cliff Bar, there's a there's a natural commitment out of the gate for them to be part of this this place and this great company. So that's the first thing about driving engagement. I think as it goes from there, it really becomes about um, the ability to Let's stop right there. What was your, tell me your question again. I'm just saying like a lot of people, you, you know, just, I'm trying to think of like, Oh, the benefits. Yeah. The, because, because there's a lot of companies today. Um, it seems like the, the really successful companies that you hear about do stuff like this, but there's this middle group that's like, maybe they're afraid to do it. Maybe it's too expensive. They just, you know, what would your, if you're, if you were out like, you know, going for a bike ride with another exec and he's like, you know, push, push me how to do this. Like, what, what would you talk about? Yeah, okay. So the things I talk about on how to do it is one is making sure that your company matters. You know, that the things you do really matter and that people can, because people at the end of the day don't care really truly about how much profit your company makes. They're more interested in how does this contribute to my life and how can I contribute to the world through my, through my work, right? And all those, those hours I put in at work. I, I think that the, the misconception that you're touching on, though, is a real important one, which is that people think that incredible benefits have to be expensive. And, and they don't. You know, what we really think about is how do we help people put time back in their pockets? Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned earlier about, about um, child care. You know, that's a way for you to really stay connected with your child during the workday. I talked, you know, a little bit earlier about um, putting uh, people bringing their dogs to work. So you'll see people all the time walking their dogs out for a, for a, um, for, you know, take them on a break on a little walk around the building at, at 12 o'clock or at two o'clock. And that's a way to stay connected to that part of your life. We have someone who comes in and does haircuts that provides haircuts. And how much time does that save you on a weekend? Right. So, so instead of writing it off as an expense, you, you think about it more of it as an investment. As an investment is as a convenience for the people that work here. Like how do we put time back in their pockets? And these things, you know, we have, we have something I use quite a bit, um, is uh, the uh, chiropractor. We have a chiropractor that comes in and, and, and you sign up and you go in and, and part of it's subsidized and you work with, with them. And that's a way for you to, to get that part of your life taken care of. And you don't have to be setting up another appointment or taking a half day off to go do some of these activities. Yeah. So it's a way just to make sure that your, your life that, that, that we're living is remaining complete. All right, so you have all these awesome, awesome benefits. Culture is great. 
you probably attract a ton of applicants. How, how do you, at, at scale like this, like how do you go through and what, what's the hiring process to make sure that you're getting the right people that are going to use these things for the right reasons? Like how do you find the right people? Yeah, we, you know, hiring the right people and finding the right people is critical because you, you want to make sure you're finding people that are really connected to your culture. They get it and they can really, they're the type of people that really want to live this type of lifestyle. So I, so I think that's the, that's, you know, it's, it's a funny thing, but I'll give you a quick stat that we've got an open position right now in our legal department and we've had 150 applications that have come in for that very job from across the country, which is, you know, and they're all high quality candidates. So what we look for is both people who are really attracted to the company and the, and the five bottom lines that we've talked about. We look for that. And then we also look for people that really want to live and value the interpersonal relationships that, um, that the way we value them. And we call these things our ingredients, which are these five ingredients that we think really, really characterize what the cliff culture is. And that is the ingredient of connect, create, inspire, own it, and be yourself. And those are the five things that we really interview for, quite frankly, outside of the skill set to do the job that's required, we really spend a lot of time thinking about how do they align with those interactions and how we think about it. Because those five things really do a wonderful job of, of helping us understand the how we work. Yeah, so, so when, you, when you have somebody in for an interview, um, do you have people that are in there to talk about like, okay, if I'm in sales, like, yes, you got to nail my sales skills, but, um, does, is everybody kind of just trained to, to interview on culture? Do you bring someone specifically in to just see if they're a culture fit? We have every, you know, I want this to be for us to have that kind of culture. Everyone needs to be able to ask those questions about culture and have their, their own opinion on how does somebody connect? How does somebody own it? How does someone be themselves? So everybody asks those questions. We don't have one person who comes in and evaluates that, that from a, from an HR perspective or something like that. It's truly about everyone having that as part of the the DNA of the company that you gotta, you gotta connect. You gotta be able to be creative. You gotta be able to be comfortable showing yourself here at the company because that's something we want. And one of my favorites is own it, which is the one that's really about taking accountability for our actions, both the good things and the bad things that we do at work. The the mistakes we made, I've made tons of them, and I'll get up in front of the company and say, that one was mine. I own that one. That was my mistake. Well, that, that's a good, uh, that was going to be my, my last question. I kind of wanted to wrap up. We've, we've talked about all this amazing stuff, but everybody listening, you know, we all know that business is just sometimes it's really damn hard. Um, what, what's been your biggest, you don't have to pick one, but you know, a lesson from failure or maybe something that you got wrong, uh, during, you know, your time at Cliff Bar that you, that you now kind of think back on, or you would teach out. You know, our, our philosophy here is that we learn through mistakes. I mean, and I think those are the, those are quite frankly, in my life have been my greatest learnings, whether they've been in my personal life or my work life is if you're not paying attention to those mistakes, you're, you're missing these wonderful learning opportunities. Or if your ego won't allow you to, to really, to really understand, wow, I made a mistake. It's a real uh, unfortunate thing. Cause that's where the, that's where the, that's where stuff happens. I'd say, you know, I, I have made 
a bunch of mistakes here at Cliff Bar, and I, I, I um, and I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of him, and I talk to him a lot with the company just about the things that I've learned and, and how I've changed the way I work and how I change, you know, maybe the way I listen, right? Because I'm listening more and being more active in, in that regard. But one of my biggest ones was we brought on a new uh, co-packer in our, in our bakery business and, and we started them up. One night, we turned off the lights at one co-packer and the next night, the next day, we turned on the lights at another co-packer. And what happened in that situation was the new person coming on to bake all of our products just wasn't prepared for it. And we went down this path for a few months where we just couldn't get enough product to be able to meet our demand uh, out there in the world. And I look at that situation and that was mine. Like I own that one and learned a great lesson from a lot of different angles on, on, um, on that situation. And, and now we're building a bakery of our own in Twin Falls where we're taking this, the way we run our business to uh, a new, a new um, bakery in Twin Falls where we're going to be bringing that same model to that, to that company and, or to our baking company. And it's really exciting. But I learned from the last time we brought up a, a bakery that we got to do this one differently. We got to bring this up much more slowly and give them time and, and make sure everyone really understands not just what they do every day, but how we work and how we do things and making sure the culture is really tight and strong there before we get up to the speeds and the, the amount of, um, the amount of uh, product that we're going to be producing from that facility. Yeah, and it's it's probably you know a lot has changed now. Your your four hundred person company things have grown like crazy. It's it's always a, a learning process as you guys scale. Absolutely. Um, oh, last one. I did I didn't even write this down, but I want to ask because it's we we talked to a lot of tech companies, software companies, uh, where like testing new things is easy. You just put it on a web website, see if people click something, for example, and, and boom, you got your tests. How do you, how do you guys test things? Like if you have a new idea or a new product or a new bar you want to test, like what what's the give us the behind the scenes of of how that might work at Cliff Bar. One of the things I love about Cliff Bar and Company is we are our target. You know, so at the end of the day, I ride my bike 150 miles a week. I run 20 to 30 miles a week. Um, I'm out hiking with my kids and my wife. We're out hiking all the time. Um, my wife's living her busy day. We've got tons of working moms and dads here at the company. So we understand, you know, we understand kids at a, at a, at a detailed level and I mean at a, at a very intimate level. So we, we, under, we are our consumers. So a lot of times we use ourselves. And we're saying, Hey, how does this work? You know, I take, I just took out a, um, a new flavor of one of our new organic energy food, which is this great new product we've launched. And I've been taking that product out with me as well as new flavors of that product and trying it on a long ride. Like this weekend, I'm doing a hundred mile ride and I've got that new flavor, uh, with me to taste it and see, how is it when I'm out at mile 80 and I'm, eating a savory product, what does that, what does that feel like? And is it delivering what I need it to deliver? So we spend a lot of time, um, you know, trying these products with our own kids and trying these products is uh, during our activities to make sure they're delivering what we need. And we'll do some of the more traditional testing where we'll go out and talk to consumers and get their feedback as well. But I really like to rely on 
our own um, internal team here to to give us the feedback because that's one of the things that I'm I'm very proud of is that we we are our consumers. Well, it also probably helps that all your neighbors know that you're the uh, free Cliff Bar guy. <laughs> it's very funny. We have a cupboard in my garage, and our house just happens to be, and maybe it's because of Cliff Bar, but our house just happens to be the place where all the kids come hang out. <laughs> yeah. And it's oftentimes I'll open my garage door and there will be five, six, seven kids diving into Z bars, diving into cliff bars right out of our cupboard. That's which awesome. I'm more than more than happy to supply. Awesome. Well, Kevin Clearly, the CEO of Cliff Bar, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for your time. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of The Growth Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you could leave us a quick review on iTunes. Those things really do help us grow the show. I'm Dave Gerhardt. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Gerhardt. I always love getting feedback about the show and upcoming ideas for guests. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again soon.